state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Snap down, the kick is up, and the kick is good! Here's Lane! Huskers win it 13-10. They beat Northwestern and go to 4-2. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Josh Oakman in for Ben McLaughlin. We do expect Ben back on the show tomorrow night. He and his wife, Olivia, welcomed daughter Kennedy seven days ago. So they're having some well-needed bonding time inside the McLaughlin household. But we're glad you're here with us tonight. Phone lines open and available to you, as always, at 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. And we start, like we do a lot of nights, talking some Husker football. The head coach, Scott Frost, had a media conference today via Zoom. So he was in his office. All the reporters were... Uh, locking uh, locking in on Zooms, and they were asking questions. Went about 25 minutes long. We're going to play quite a bit of that for you uh, throughout the program tonight. I, I don't know that there was a ton of breaking-type news, but I do want to start with something that did come up, Josh, in the call today, and it, it deals with the offensive line and that he said when they start to get on the practice field that Matt Farniak, you're listening to the last two years, Nightly. has been the this right tackle the Hus- for the Huskers. Is going to be moved into right guard. And so Farniak will be the right guard for Nebraska, which leaves that right tackle spot, which is a big spot on that offensive line, wide open. The The guy that looks like he might have the end to that is Bryce Benhart, the big, tall Minnesota kid who redshirted a year ago, did play a couple games utilizing that four-game rule. But your thoughts about Farniak making him announcing a Farniak position change here today? Well, you're right. That was one bit of news that actually did come out of it. You know, there there were a lot of other thoughts that Coach Frost had that were, you know, good to hear from him. But that was actually something that we heard that really hadn't been said before. So that was good to get a little bit of news out of the press conference from earlier today. And I think that it makes a whole lot of sense because, as you said, with Farniak moving into that right guard slot, which is good because then that he's still on that right side of the line, so it's not too drastic of a position change for him. It does open up um, that right tackle position, which we assume will be for Bre- uh, Bryce Benhart, as you said. And he's he's a guy that you know we've been hearing about for a while before he even got to the the campus. Like, he he's a guy that has been you know the coaches have been talking about a bunch, and there's a reason why. You mentioned his frame, six foot nine, and and over three hundred pounds. It's just it's unbelievable. So he's a guy that. You know, you would assume with how much co- the coaches have been talking about him, the staff have been, you know, playing him up, and then you just look at his size and all of that. It's there's a lot to be excited about. So whenever you can get somebody like that in in that rotation on the offensive line and in a starting spot, then obviously that seems seems like a pretty good move. And then you you, you know you assume that most of the rest of the offensive line is set, maybe outside of that left guard position. I think that will be a competition, but. They, you know, I think that there's a lot to be excited about with the move. That left guard spot will probably come down between a battle between Bo Wilson, who was the right guard last year, and Trent Hickson, who was for most of the year the starting left guard for the Husker football team. Uh, so, yeah, but you're starting to develop some depth. And, and this wouldn't be set in stone either. Bryce Benhart better. He needs to go prove when they get out of the practice field in August, he, he's got to prove he can hold that thing down. Because if he doesn't, then you have to shift Farniak bad. And the good thing is, is Matt's played it out there a couple of years, so you could probably make that transition fairly easily. But 
Uh, it was interesting that he tipped his card on that one today. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, you know, obviously this is things the coaches have been meeting. They've been talking for months. But the the worry for me, Josh, is Bryce, and, and I think he's going to be a tremendous player. He really could have used that spring ball. I mean, that, that, not having that I think is going to really hurt Bryce Benhart. Right, and we'll hear from Coach in a little bit, but he kind of mentioned that too, that, you know, that's something that <laughs> there's a lot, there are a lot of guys on the team, a lot of young guys that could have used the the spring ball. The only good thing that you can that comes out of it is that most other teams didn't really get through any of their spring practices either. So at least everybody's kind of on a level playing field from that perspective. But yeah, that would have been really nice for him to be able to get, you know, all those spring practices in and be able to try to, you know, start get start to get some cohesion with the rest of that offensive line. Um but yeah, that it it's not just him. There, there are a lot of other young guys that would have, would have been really nice for them. And Coach Ross said it, that it's going to be kind of a short timeline to try to implement some of these position changes and just get some of these new guys into uh, the positions that need to be filled. I also I ought to mention the name Brock Bando, too, as a guy that will fight for that spot at left guard because he did get some time at that position last year and also played a little bit of left tackle uh, behind Brendan Hymas on that left side. I, I'm in, I was on a national radio show today, and they obviously when when you go on those, it's it's the periphery questions that they ask, the very obvious things about can Adrian Martinez bounce back, and what about J.D. Spielman's loss? What's that do to the wide receiver position? But they asked me, they said, what what do you think could be a strength of this team? And I said the offensive line. I really think this offensive line could be pretty good. There's an awful lot of starts there with the with Farniak and Hymas and. I think Cam Jurgens made a lot of progress last year at the center spot. Yeah, he sure did. And I think that it's something we talked about last week when the Oscars got a couple of linebacker commits, and we were talking about how they are trying to build that outside linebacker position. And that's something that they've been doing with the offensive line over the past couple of years, too, in recruiting. They've really been focusing on that, trying to get some good, talented bodies in that position. And because it's it's been – it hasn't been a strength over the past couple of years. It, there's no way – way around it that it just really hasn't been and I think that it's finally getting to be a a spot where you know there's a little bit more depth there's more talent in the position I think that there's more size and strength after a couple years in the weight room so I think it's it's building toward being a strength like you called it and I I think that there's still a lot of room for improvement. I still think that there's a lot more that can be done. But when you look at, across the line and, and you have three guys that are returning, or four guys really that are returning starters, maybe in different positions, but still guys that have a lot of experience, that can that can go a long way. Especially you look around the country all the time, Greg, when we do our position breakdowns each year, just in the Big Ten West, a lot of times there are offensive lines that only have one or two guys back that, that started the previous season. But when they have four or potentially five guys back with starting experience or just experience in general, that is just huge. And we, you know, we usually give a lot of credence to that. So I think that it's definitely trending in the right direction for Nebraska's offensive line. I always really look forward to when we get into that. And we're less than a month away from starting those position breakdowns because one, it's just a really good crash course on where Nebraska's strengths are and where they stack up with everybody else in the division. 
And, you know, we've done some. We've gone back and looked. We haven't been that far off in some of our projections and some of those things. But I have a feeling Nebraska's offensive line is going to hold up pretty well when we pit them up against the rest of the Big Ten West. I think that will be an interesting thing. And, you know, I think I just think you talked about the lack of depth. The last couple of years, boy, if Hymas goes down or even Farniak mm. goes down, Nebraska <laughs> just didn't have anybody that was really kind of ready to roll. And, and in my eyes, Farniak is a guard. He's been playing yes. out of position at that tackle spot. Bless his heart, he's given it all out there. But I think he'll be a better guard than he was at tackle. So Nebraska must feel like they've got enough people with it, whether it be Ben Hart, maybe it's a bando, um, maybe with, with uh, the return of Christian Gaylord, who's getting a sixth year of eligibility. Mm-hmm. He is a tackle. Maybe they feel like, okay, between that group, we can get by at right tackle. Let's get Farniak inside and really kind of shore up the middle of that offensive line. And uh, you think back to all the close games, not only last year, but two years ago. And, and I know Jeremiah Searles and Steve Taylor and Brendan Stye have all mentioned this. They said, we haven't been good enough in the four-minute offense where you're trying to kill some clock, get some first downs, and bleed out a game. Haven't been good enough to do that. Maybe this year that'll be different for that offensive line. Uh, we'll certainly see. But we're going to get into a lot of the cuts from the head coach. We're going to do kind of do it in two segments. The first segment's going to be about it's kind of team-oriented things. When did they get back? What have they been doing? Some of the things about that. And then we're going to get into some of the social issues. The coach was asked about that earlier today, so we'll get into a bunch of that as well. I want to touch on Husker baseball. We haven't done this in a couple of days. This is the week of the you know the College World Series would be going on up in Omaha. We'd be a couple of teams would be a, a, would have been eliminated by now. I think you'd have been down on Tuesday by night. You'd have been out of six teams still left up in Omaha. But Will Bolt and this staff, Josh, continue to make some noise. They have added, back in April during the signing period, they added a couple of junior college pitchers. And here within the last week, they've added two four-year college transfers that both look like they could really help this team. This, I'm encouraged by this. Yeah, you mentioned the two guys, and I'm, I'm, Cam Wynn is one of them, a guy from Lincoln that was mm-hmm. went to JUCO and then w- was at Texas A&M this last year. And he's a guy that is just a big arm. He didn't start pitching until uh, later in his high school career. So that's always – I, I kind of like guys like that because that means that their arm isn't completely worn out. And from what I've been reading about him, he's a guy that can throw in the upper 90s. He's hit 99 on a fastball before, so he oh. has – plenty of life in that arm and i think that he's yeah he he's a guy that can be in the back end of the bullpen and you know he still is a little bit raw but whenever you can throw that hard you're you're going to have a chance especially at the college level so he's a he's a big one and then they also got a transfer over the weekend a grad transfer from new mexico state and i'll probably butcher his last name but it's It's roach it's roach roach okay yeah all right and then he he put together a really good season uh, over his or really good career down at New Mexico State um, and he, you know his his numbers are are pretty good so I think that you add those two guys specifically are Nebraska has really been looking to bolster their pitching staff it seems like and I think that with these two guys they've they've definitely taken a really good step in that direction Roach was a two-year starter he was the Friday guy for them this year. Uh, last year, I think he went 10-1. and one. He was pitching on Sundays 
as a junior, and and he's got, I think, a career ERA in the low threes, six three kid. And Michael Pritchard, the former Husker, helped with this. Michael is, was down on Mike Kirby's staff. Mike was on Darren Erstad's staff. Mike was the first-year head coach at New Mexico State. Uh, this young guy came into the office and said, hey, I'm, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a graduate transfer. I'd like to try somewhere else. And Pritchard goes, I got, a, I got a spot for you. How about my alma mater? And he called up here, and Will Bolton staff jumped all over that. And with the, the loss of Gareth Stroh, who's going to go to Wichita State so he can pitch with his brother for his final year, Nebraska was out there Friday starter. Well, Roach is certainly going to have a chance to fill that in. I, I am so encouraged by what I'm seeing Will Bolt doing. They signed what, what was, by all accounts, a very good recruiting class in November, so they've got some really good incoming freshmen making their way into town. The two junior college pitchers that they signed in April are now Roach and Wynn, and you're right on Wynn. That's just that's like a wild colt. I mean, there's a kid who's just got a huge arm. You can't you can't coach 95. I mean, now I think he's had some control issues, but he does have 2 years of eligibility left. Roach right. would only have one, but really encouraged. And um coach Harvell, who's got this signature tweet that he puts out, tweeted again this afternoon. So they must have got yeah. somebody else that may be like a high school senior to be that's going to sign in November, but the momentum for that program, I'm really impressed with what's happening with Husker baseball. Well, yeah, and we've, we've been kind of talking some college baseball over the past few days with the College World Series would have been going on right now. And um, so yeah, the fact that they've been able to, you know, sign a bunch of guys, but then also now get some guys with experience too, some uh, some transfers that will be able to help the team right away and, and win is big – it's big that he has two years of eligibility left, and it sounds like he's gonna he needs to get a waiver from the NCAA to be eligible in 2021. But it seems like that'll that'll happen too. Which, yeah, you you add a couple of arms like that to the rotation slash bullpen, it's that's big. That's really big, and I, you know, I it's disappointing. It was disappointing that Coach Bolt wasn't able to get a full season in this year to kind of one see what he could do, but also just to kind of establish his program and you know be able to get through a full season with his guys and you know establish some chemistry that was disappointing but I still think that the program is 100% headed in the right direction just kind of picking up where coach Erstad left off so I I am very encouraged just like you with the news over the last couple days Josh you never know what the NCAA is going to do but you got to think that a young guy who has to leave a college to go home because of COVID will have a shot to get cleared right away he, he moved back home because of the pandemic that's probably a right. pretty good reason to it's, it's, to let him stay seems home. like it tuesday night the head football coach scott frost had a press conference today via zoom he was sitting in his office and all the media were at their station their home wherever they may be firing questions at the head coach first one out of the gate for us tonight the head coach was asked about was there an advantage to being ready to go on june 1st I think it is going to be a help to us to be back earlier. Um, and we owe a thanks to a lot of people. I kind of mentioned some of our operations people and some of the coaches that have been essential personnel and been here the whole time to make sure that, that we are ready to get our kids back, maybe ahead of some other people. Um, also got to thank, you know, everyone from Ted Carter to Ronnie Green to Bill Moose, even, uh, the governor and the mayor, uh, you know, we've been careful to follow every state health guideline, every city health guideline. Um, but a lot of those people have been very open to us pushing the envelope a little bit. 
on allowing our kids to come back into a safe environment. So I'm, I'm grateful to those people. What's been interesting about this virus and, and everything that we've gone through with it is I think there's inherent advantages and disadvantages that have happened all through this. Um, getting your kids back to campus certainly could be an advantage. Um, but there's schools that have had all 15 spring practices and we got two. And there's schools in our league that have had a dozen or more and we've had two. Um, certainly the recruiting advantage and disadvantage probably isn't tilted in our favor. Um, you know, we have to get kids to Lincoln, Nebraska to see it uh, because we're recruiting kids from farther away than a lot of other people. And without uh, the ability to get kids to Lincoln, uh, it's made recruiting more of a challenge for us than maybe some people uh, that are in areas with, with more recruits. So th there's been advantages and disadvantages that were that were uh, probably unintentional all through this thing. And right when it started, um, I think we did a, a good job getting ahead and putting our heads together and, and trying to figure out how to solve the problem of getting our team back uh, to campus safely for them and safely for the community. And I think we're a little bit ahead of curve on that. But any advantage we get there, uh, we need because I don't think we've been on the right side of a couple other ones. Huskers are Josh into their third week of working out. There are some schools, a handful of them in the league that aren't back yet and aren't, won't right. be back, I don't think, until next week. How big of an advantage do you think it is? Well, that's what I was just about to say. There, there are some schools uh, around the country that aren't back yet, and the Huskers are ready to go June 1. I think it is a huge advantage because, like we talked about last segment, about the Huskers missing spring ball and not getting guys in there, at least now you can you can get guys back together on campus and start working out. It's not as probably valuable as a spring practice would have been, but it still is valuable to have your guys in the weight room and working out and doing all the things that come with that. So to be that far ahead of the curve is, is big. It's huge. There's, there's no way around, around it. It's, it's, it's a big, it's a big deal. Now, these are voluntary workouts from now until you get into about mid July. The head coach was asked about is everybody on your football team here now? Very few. Um, you could probably count them on one hand, and I really don't want to talk about who's here and who's not. This whole time, uh, the players' safety has been our first priority. Uh, our community and state's safety is just as big a priority. And one thing we've been careful to do is not make it mandatory for anybody to do anything. So there's been uh, different phases of this and, and different times throughout where certain families have thought their, their son was uh, probably going to be safer being in Lincoln. Some other families that felt safer with having their, their son at home. Uh, and, and we've never tried to discourage them from staying home if they want to. We're to a point where there's probably, you can count on one or two hands, the number of total players that aren't here. So not all, but, but most of them uh, from the football team are there. Now, we've talked a lot in the last oh, two weeks about the six-week plan that the football committees have put out and now have approved that these teams can start really having ramped up preparations beginning July 24th about a two-and-a-half-week period before they can then get on the practice field. But the hours you can spend with your team goes up to 20 hours a week beginning July 24th. Here's the head coach's thoughts about the six-week ramp-up. 
You know, I think one of the reasons we're looking at that plan is because early on in this, we started looking at four or five and six week models to return to play. And I think they've kind of been stubbornly holding on to those models, even though a lot of people are getting their kids back to campus. Um, I'm I, That being said, I am in favor of it because we miss spring ball. Um, you know, missing the amount of spring practice that we did just sets you back as far as knowing X's and O's and, and being able to operate as a team and having a little extra time before camp starts to get walkthroughs and get some of that done will, will definitely, I think, benefit everybody that missed, missed spring ball. It is going to make the scheduling of everything a little interesting uh, for us because usually you give players time off to recover before fall camp starts and you definitely don't want to uh, – give players time off during that time when we have more access to them and more ability to do things. So it's going to change our scheduling model a little bit to make sure our, our players are here through that, but also fresh and ready to go for the long haul of the season. In essence, it's going to be a two-week mini camp from July 24th to August the 7th. Uh, here, just kind of continue on. More thoughts from the coach about that two-week period. If this works well, um, I might be in, we'll see how it goes this fall, but might be in favor of doing something like this every year. Um, so we'll see if anything like that plays out. Uh, the, the model for what it's supposed to look like, again, hasn't been finalized yet, but there's a proposal that it would uh, be about a week and a half of 20 hours a week of access with the players that will include non-contact walkthroughs. Um, which, again, it, from my standpoint, it, it's if we can get some work done during that time, as far as the X's and O's go, we're actually going to be able to be a little easier on them in camp. Um, you won't have as much to get installed and as as much to do. So maybe you might be able to limit the reps and just uh, basically do enough to get them ready to, to go out and hit, uh, get used to wearing the pads and and get some live reps. But they'll probably with the added week and a half, you don't have to be in quite as big a hurry to get a lot of reps run and a lot of a lot of the X's and O's in. So we'll see if that passes this week. That's the direction it looks like it's going. And um, I think, like I said, with everybody missing some spring ball, that's some valuable time to, to just catch up on the X's and O's and the scheme that we missed out on the spring. What do you make of all that, Josh? Yeah, there's a lot there. And I think that there's uh, the biggest thing is that it's going to be a change. It's going to be different, which we know that. And, and if the only thing that I think that, I think it's mostly positive and there are a lot of good things. And I, th I think he touched on it just a little bit at the end of one of the clips that the only thing that might be a little bit concerning is that if you kind of do this right before fall camp anyway, that's a lot of football for a long stretch of time. If you, especially if you have a normal fall camp and then normal regular season and then possibly postseason after that, that's a lot of football. You don't want your guys to get burned out, but Overall, I think the positives outweigh the negatives. And like he said, they don't know exactly what it's going to look like. But from what he was talking about, it sounds like it's a good idea and a good way to kind of make up for the lack of a spring ball. I think it's a one-time deal, personally. I think it's just because of what happened with spring practice that the NCAA is going to allow this. This year might be wrong, but I, I just get the feeling this will be a one-time thing. The pros, you all, folks, you may hear us talk about OTAs a lot. A lot of times teams will have OTAs in the NFL in like June, then have about a month off, and then they get into their camp and then they go. Um, but because college football has always been set up with spring ball, that has really has been the OTA for college football. 
my gut says this is a one-time deal just because everybody missed so much spring football practice to give them these extra week and a half to two weeks that they're going to get this year if if the legislation passes but as he said i think it will all right um we've talked a lot about the wide receiver spot in the last week particularly after the jd spielman news the coach was asked about the wide receiver room and the running back room which really needs to be bolstered up and should be with the addition of a couple of young freshman running backs his thoughts about those two rooms we got some guys coming back that I feel good about that are healthy and, and looking, uh, from what I hear, better than, than they have in the past. But skill on offense is certainly has a possibility of being one of those positions. Um, I think that little bit of access and time with our players uh, prior to fall camp starting uh, could be a benefit to us. But, um, you know, Coach Lubick's going to have to earn his money. Uh, Coach Held, guys like that that are, are going to have to – try to fast track some of those guys when we are able to to meet with them and and work with them to try to get some of those young guys ready to be players for us josh i can hear after the post practices coming up in august that there are going to be a lot of questions about those two spots after really every practice probably oh 100 percent. especially like coach just mentioned coach lubick is uh, new at the position and he didn't get really get a spring ball at all so he's even more under under the gun at that at that position but and to go along with that obviously a lot of new names headlined by omar manning but yeah there's there's a lot of work to be done there but there's also a lot of reason for hope a lot of talented guys that are going to be inserted into those position groups so i yeah it you'll i think that the majority of the questions especially early on in fall camp are going to be about those two (laughs) positions you got you're, you're dead on with that yeah well, you don't get through a whole press conference without some chat about the quarterback position. And, and Coach Frost got a question about the quarterback position, but it wasn't about Adrian Martinez, but it was about Luke McCaffrey. Here's his answer. I don't have any worries or concerns about Luke, to be honest with you. He's one of the hardest working kids on our team. Um, he spends all his time on football. He's going to be ready. All the reports I'm getting is that he's – He's whipping around really good and throwing better than anybody's ever seen him throw. Um, so I feel real confident about him. Obviously, with Logan being new um, and enrolling early, missing those spring practices wasn't ideal for him either. Uh, but we'll get him caught up. You know, we were sad to see Noah Vedro leave, but I, I feel great about those three kids and some of the ones behind them. And um, that is going to allow us the opportunity to, to focus the repetitions in, in fall camp on the, the three guys and, and uh, you know, Matt Masker and, and others as well. So I think they'll get plenty of reps in fall and, and we'll get Logan caught up. My one image of Luke McCaffrey, Josh, was the Indiana game where Noah Vedrill started, Adrian was hurt, and there was a play in the game where, where Noah's hat or helmet came off, so you got to come out for a play. And by the time I was describing that Vedrill's helmet was off, McCaffrey was already in the huddle. He was already grabbing the guys and starting to go. He shot out there like a cannon to get ready on the field. Uh huh. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's everything that you uh you know you talk about the words competitive and you know a, a gamer and all of those things. He's he's definitely all of those things, which is what you want. You want somebody who if Adrian Martinez is a starter going into fall camp, you want somebody who's going to just push him and push him and push him, which 
as coach said, Noah Vedrill, Noah Vedrill is gone now. So there's, he, he's not one of those guys that's going to push him at that position. And so you want, you want Luke to make it a competition. And it's that that's a lot of times that's coach speak, but I think that most Nebraska fans have who saw Luke McCaffrey play last year, know that he's talented, enough, talented enough to start at quarterback for Nebraska. And the coaching staff has said multiple times that they think that he is a quarterback. They're not going to move him out to a wide receiver position or use him in a lot of, in different places. He's, a quarterback and so yeah that i think that um I, you hope that it is a really really good competition throughout fall camp and that both guys can stay healthy throughout the season as well yeah no doubt we're reviewing the head coach's press conference from earlier today a press conference via zoom he was sitting in his office all the reporters were either at their places of business or their homes firing questions at the head coach and one of the topics that you knew would come up and, and should have come up was all the um, unrest we're having in this country and the Black Lives Matter movement after the horrific death up in Minneapolis. And some programs try to muzzle their, their players. That's not the case at Nebraska. Here's the coach talking about how he wants his players to be able to speak out. You know, we've always, I think, been on the right side of this and letting our players have their own voice. And all I want to do is try to educate our guys uh, to use their voice in the right way. And not that doesn't mean telling them what to say. That just means to help them understand that, you know, social media is is a valuable thing because it can spread information, but can also be dangerous. Uh, I just want our kids to understand that how they portray themselves on that is kind of we we call it the resume to the world, um, and to be smart about what they're putting on those things. Uh, but we've never tried to stifle our kids' voices. Um, I want them to have have the outlet to to voice their opinions and say what they think and um we'll always uh encourage that kind of free thinking and free speech in our program josh it seems like kind of the adult way to handle this thing and yet you know as i said some programs haven't allowed that iowa is is one that has not allowed their kids to get on social media they may be changing that policy with all the problems they've been dealing with but i like the approach that the head coach has with his team yeah, I definitely think it's the right way to go about it. You don't want you don't want to muzzle them, like you said. And there's a, there's obviously some kind of a line with certain things where you you like he like coach said you know that you want your guys to be representing the team because they are playing for your team. They are uh, representing your university, so you want them to do that in a a good way. But there's also the point that they obviously have thoughts they are their own person and you don't want to just stifle them and keep them from sharing those thoughts and in today's day and age that we live in with social media obviously there are a lot of bad things that go with that but it's also a way for every single person to get on and and represent who they are to the world and it's like he said it's the resume to the world and they do have a platform there's with the name image and likeness that we've all been talking about over the last several years and especially the last few months is it there's they're important these players have a platform and they're able to speak to all the different people that follow them and they can share their opinion on things and like if they do it in in the correct way which is you know with a respectful and an adult way then i think that it's it's great it's it's awesome all right, here's our, our last clip from the 25-minute uh, press gathering today. And it, what is was the head coach talking about what he thinks been, has been learned over the last couple of weeks for his players, for everybody uh, in the country as we deal with this as a, as a society? 
I think it's given us all an opportunity to examine some of the things that we thought we knew but might might be naive to. Um, you know, I, anytime something something like this happens and there's strong feelings throughout the country and, and something despicable like that happens, I, I think it gives everybody a time to reflect. Um, you know, my biggest priority is to make sure that our players are all treated equally, that our players all feel safe in this building, that we're a team um, that treats everybody the same, regardless of where they come from or what they look like. Um, and it has made me feel good about the environment we have here, talking to some of our players. Uh, I said this maybe one other time, but I think sometimes uh, football players can be shielded from some of the issues that other people have uh, because within these walls, it's real easy to just be teammates. And uh, I am proud of the fact that talking to a lot of our guys that they don't feel, none of our players feel discriminated against or uh, or feel like those issues exist in the building. I shouldn't say none. The ones I've talked to have all given me really positive answers on that. Um, but again, they say there's no atheists in foxholes. Um, I think it, it's hard to have some of those issues on a football team uh, because a football team gives you an environment for people of all different races and, and backgrounds to come together and learn about each other and see the good in, in one another and work together. And and so football teams, honestly, are a, kind of an example of uh, that I think a lot of other people could follow. Um, and and we need to be an example because of our influence here at, at Nebraska football, and we'll try to be. But the best way that I know how to do that is to continue to try to provide an environment within these walls where everybody feels safe and equal. Very good comments from the head coach and a good way for us to, to leave off our coverage of what was happening earlier today when the head coach talked to the media. We think them up. We count them down. It's Top Ten Tuesdays on Sports Nightly. Top 10 brought to you by Union Bank and Trust at Union Bank and Trust. All your banking needs are taken care of by real people who really care. Stop by and you'll see that you belong here. Union Bank and Trust member FDIC. This came up, and I think it was you and I, Austin, that we were on the, or was it you and me, Josh? We were talking about game shows. It was you and me, actually. Yeah. All right. On the stream for the SNBL, we're like, book that one, save that one. That's going to be a topic down the road. Yeah. And Austin, and today, today you and I, Austin, were talking about it, and we were getting people chiming in, giving us their thoughts. We were. We did, uh, did a deep dive on the history of Price is <laughs> Right, in fact. So. We did. We did do a deep dive. Was this hard, tough, easy? What was it? Well, I think there was uh, – I mean, we had some conversation about what constitutes a game show. Is it the classic, you know, the trivia type in studio, a host and all of that? Or can you do the reality-type game shows like Survivor or The Amazing Race or things like that? So I think that was kind of one of the interesting parts to it. But to me, it was, it was really fun just putting this together and thinking about all my favorite game shows. So for me, my determining thing, and we all talked about it together as a group, was if it was kind of a season-long thing like Survivor or Amazing Race, that doesn't count. To me, game shows are more nightly different contestants pretty much every night. Uh, for that, so that's how I kind of graded it. I don't know. You guys may have done it different. That's fine. We'll have some fun with that if that is the case. You did so, Josh. Why don't you lead us off tonight? 
Absolutely. So I decided to, for my first two or three, I decided to do go outside the box just a little bit and do something a little bit different. So my f- number 10 is the newlywed game. And that's one that started way back in the 60s yeah. and then is mostly in syndication. But it came back, I think, like 10 years ago. And they did a little bit of a reboot of that. So it it's just fun because as somebody who was a newlywed not that long ago, we we have watched it, and Victoria and I joke all the time that we'd be pretty good at it because we kind of know some intricate things about each other. We know we can kind of get inside each other's minds, and even if we don't necessarily know what the answer is, we could probably figure it out Like if, if we are posed a question uh, about the other person. So I think it, it's kind of fun to put yourself in the situation for that game. So that's my number 10. Good. Awesome. I line up with Josh. I've got newlywed game here at number 10 as well. So I'm along the same sort of lines. My fiance and I, again, like Josh said, you know, maybe we don't know everything specifically, but give us not even 20 questions. Give us two or three questions. We can tease out the answer with an educated guess or two in there. I'm going way, way back to 1961. This isn't even on the air anymore, but I think a lot of people will remember it, and it's Password. This was where he had two contestants. They teamed up with a celebrity. They competed in a word association game. In fact, there's a board game about it that I think a lot of people probably have in their game closet. Uh, but it went off the air in 1975, but Password is my number 10. Uh, I, the, what I, whenever I think of that game, I think of the SNL skits that are making fun of yeah. it is, yeah. is what my mind goes to. All right, my number nine is To Tell the Truth, and this is another older one that goes yeah. back a ways, and it's kind of run in syndication. I think there was a, another reboot of it as well, uh, like the Newlywed game. But um, it, to me, it, this was a, a game that we did growing up. Um, we kind of played it too. You, you, you have the three people sitting there. One of them is the real person, and they're tr- telling facts about themselves, and you have to figure out which one is the real person and which one or who the imposters are. So, um, yeah, that's a fun one to tell the truth, my number nine. Love it. Number nine for me is a newer one. Hasn't been around all that long. It's called Beat Shazam. It's a newer entry based on a couple older games. And I just really admire the contestants. I am horrible at naming songs, so I've learned a lot when I get to watch this. My history of rock and roll class at UNL helped with that, too. So, I mean, unless it's like a super, super, super ubiquitous popular song or an 80s guitar riff, I really can't recognize it. So seeing these people with their recall it's impressive to me and i learned a lot so i really like that one it's kind of a takeoff of name that tune that was an older yeah, show right little trivia on shazam my neighbor's daughter worked on the show oh wow wow shazam nice i think it's off the air Connections. now i think i don't think it's quite on the air anymore i'm going old school again and this one was on the air for 26 years hollywood squares which was a tic-tac-toe type game they had a scaffolding built up where they had all these stars and you could you try to win cash and prizes by if they could answer correctly or not answer correctly a question uh, but it was on the air from 1966 to 2004 hollywood squares my number nine i actually had that one on my list initially and then it got the boot i added one late and so it, it got the boot but definitely enjoy watching that one my uh my number eight um, is Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? The first, you'll, you'll notice a trend on mine. There's a lot of trivia uh, 
game shows on my top 10. So this is one of those. Are you smarter than a fifth grader? Jeff Foxworthy. And I mean, it's kind of the, the idea behind it is, is pretty funny. You have fifth graders on there and they're showing that they're smarter than they're answering questions that adults don't know. So it's, and I have to admit, I've played along plenty and there are a lot of questions that those fifth graders know that I don't. So it, it can definitely be embarrassing. Love it. I'm a big Jeff Foxworthy fan. I love him. I do too. And that's why I line up with Josh for the second time and only oh three years here, here at number eight. <laughs> we didn't share our list. We promised. <laughs> we, we didn't talk about this one. Just you and I on the show or on SNBL. But it is funny to see, you know, the panel of fifth graders. It's, it's really flipping the expectations. Normally it's the adults helping the kids with their homework. This time it's the kids helping the adults and you know, I don't blame the adults. I mean, they learned this stuff back in fifth grade. That's a long time ago. It probably hasn't been relevant since. So it's more fresh in the kids' brains. But some of these things that people get wrong are just so obvious that it is <laughs> drilled in your head. I just don't get it. Again, Austin, you know? it's the pressure of being under the lights and under the gun. Your mind just goes to mush sometimes and you forget stuff. All right, <laughs> right. my number eight, um, you guys may have a little higher up, and it's Let's Make a Deal. It's been around since the 60s. Wayne Brady's the, the current host of it right now, and it's still on, I think, a lot of TV stations. Fun fun little entertaining game, what's behind door one, two, or three. So let's make a deal is my number eight. Yeah, that one was actually also initially on my list, but I, I knocked it off just because it's one that I didn't actually watch a whole lot. And so since these are my favorite uh, game shows, I decided not to have that one on there. So... That one did not make my list. My number seven, though, is Cash Cab, another trivia game show. And it's one that I was actually introduced to very recently, within the last year or two. And I have watched it a lot. It's it's probably not the best run game show or the best trivia game show that there is out there. But it's kind of fun just because it's pretty quick and moves along fast. You get three different contestants throughout the um, or three different versions of it throughout the 30 minutes. So it's, it's kind of fast-moving and quick-paced, which I like. Number seven for me, uh, more recent one as well, Deal or No Deal. I think Howie Mandel was pretty good yeah. as the host. No, it's super simple. It's not, not a lot going on. You just hear someone pick some numbers. But seeing the anticipation on their face, you kind of lean into it as well. The banker, you, you never figure out how he comes up with those numbers that he does. But seeing those people weigh the risk and reward against keeping going or just taking the offer and shutting it down so simple but very well done it kept the intrigue even if they lost the the top prize pretty early on the stakes changed but the investment really didn't trivia question Meghan Markle was one of the gals holding the suitcase in that show now married to Prince Harry (laughs) wow she was one of those you know models that was holding up the the suitcase (laughs) wow she was on that show Uh, All right, my number seven, Match Game. Match Game was on for decades. It went away. Now Alex Baldwin hosts it. You have six celebrities, and uh, people ask questions of the celebrities and see if they can get them right or wrong. So Match Game is my number seven. All right, my number six, and I'm really surprised that I didn't end up having this any higher, but I have Family Feud at number six. And, of course, we've (laughs) we've turned uh, our own Family Feud, Famous Dave's (laughs) face off every Wednesday night, which we'll play again tomorrow with with Ben back in the chair. So uh, I think the only reason why I knocked it down a peg is because it's a show where it's technically it's kind of like trivia, but there's not necessarily a right answer i mean there is there's the way that the majority answered but there's so many questions it's like come on there's no way that that's actually what 
70 people said or 50 people said that's that can't be right so to me that that part of it kind of knocks it down a peg for me all right really makes you wonder where some people's heads go when they're asked some of these questions exactly that's what are you referring to me or ben (laughs) maybe both depending on the question part of the fun there you go all right uh rounding out the back half of my top 10 at number six i've got who wants to be a millionaire you know i love how the the questions and the stakes escalate as you go they have all these you know helpful uh little phone a friend yeah phone a friend get the 50 50 you can ask the audience all sorts of different things and you have to know a lot about a lot or just get super lucky use your your power-ups your boosts right and a lot of different hosts too a lot of big names al roker mm-hmm. tom bergeron regis terry cruz chris harrison's hosting it now so i'm a big fan if he wants to be a millionaire meredith fiera did you mention her i think she's hosted a version of it too i mean there have been a bunch a of while, people yeah. that have hosted yeah, that thing all right uh, my number six is the pyramid either twenty five thousand or hundred thousand dollar dick clark used to host him when i think it was a twenty five thousand dollar pyramid now it's michael strahan uh, you pick categories, you team up with a celebrity. Um, I think ABC's got it going right now during the summer months, but Pyramid's been around a long time, and so that makes my list of number six. All right, into our top five now, and my number five was Austin's number six, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And this was actually my first uh, game show that was a trivia-type game show that I fell in love with. I remember watching this when I was seven, eight years old, and I didn't know very many of the answers, but I really wanted to, and it, it it just seemed so appealing because it seemed so easy at the beginning because there were a lot of questions I knew in the, you know, the 100, 200, the first thousand that I could get to. But then it was like, you're so close when you're that far. And when you get that far, you only have a few questions left and you get a million dollars. So I think that was kind of the appeal to it and still is. It's kind of fun that you can get really close to a million dollars and then maybe lose it just like that. <laughs> no kidding. So... No offense, Dak Attack, if you're listening. This is your favorite, as we found out in SNBL chat today. But I've got Prices Right down here at number five. You know, Bob Barker and Drew Carey have done the hosting since 1972. They've been good. The, the three different games within the game is interesting. It's not just the same thing all the way through. So the ways they switch it up is very well done. I'm a fan of that. And just picking people out of the audience to do it, that's fun as well. You know, you walk in and obviously they know going in that they're going to be it, but it seems so random and someone gets this whole big prize pack if they guess a few numbers right. The music's iconic. Price is right. Top five game show of all time in my mind. Okay. My five you both have had. This is where I have Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. So that's where I've got that on my list. All right. Perfect. And my, I follow Austin again this time at number four was his number five. The Price is Right is where I have this. I think the only reason why it's not higher for me is because I didn't really get a chance to watch it as much as a lot of other shows in in my top three or even five below this because it was on kind of a daytime, and so I didn't really watch it a whole lot or be able to watch it consistently. When it's on and I can find it, it's great. I like it, but I just don't think I fell in love with it as much as some of the other shows because I didn't get to see it as much. But definitely worthy of a top five spot. I have it at number four. Number four for me, Minute to Win It. A lot of games you can recreate at home. You know, you watch it on TV. It's gone worldwide. It's not just an American show. But, you know, a lot of these things you can do at home. You can fill a rainy day with them. You don't need a whole lot. You can make your own. A lot of extremely creative ones. The the classic one that I absolutely hate is the start with a cookie on your forehead and have to try to slide it down and catch (laughs) it in your mouth. I have never gotten it. I am too impatient to try it. I just want to grab the cookie and put it in my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's good. I can right, picture my four, you doing that, Austin. <laughs> Austin. My four, Austin had a couple of back, and that's Family Feud. Here's where I've got this, which we've now turned into our face-off on a Wednesday night. 
Richard Dawson was the initial host of this game show. Now Steve Harvey, who's pretty funny in his own right. So Family Feud for me is at number four. Yep. All right, into the top three. I have Wheel of Fortune at number three, and I we, we joked about this, I think, the initial time that we were talking about it on SNBL, that it's kind of a grandparents game that I watched it at my grandparents growing up whenever we were there turned on at five o'clock i know nate Rohr chimed in and he said that he's been watching it every <laughs> single night uh when it's on at supper time so uh yeah i wheel of fortune definitely has a lot of good memories and i'm not super good at the board games i know there's a lot of people that are better than me at them so i i do okay but i don't think that i would be comfortable actually competing on it. i this is one where i would 100 percent fold under pressure i'd be like looking at the board and being like i have no idea what this is so yeah it's it's a fun game to watch though for sure wheels right up my alley i think i i do pretty well that i love guessing it as early as possible and that's why it's at my number three as well oh wow you both line up with that my number three is jeopardy and and jeopardy just alex trebek is an institution uh love the show but i have to have i have to be in a right mindset to watch it i gotta want because it makes you think you really have to think as you play along and uh, so that's why I maybe don't have it as high as you guys. So I have Jeopardy here at three. All right. Very good. All right. Here's where some controversy comes in. And this was a late add to my list, but I decided to put it on there because I love it. And it's uh, the game or it's the show Survivor. And I mm-hmm. am going to include it because earlier today we had the discussion of whether or not uh, shows like this counted as game shows or counted in this category. I just Googled best game shows of all time, and it was up there in the top three or four. So... Other people are counting it, so I'm going to I'm going to count it too. I have Survivor at number two. Ben and I uh, used to watch this all the time together when we were roommates, and uh, it's it's a binge worthy show for sure. And even though it might be kind of a you call it a reality t- uh, game show, I still think that it it counts. So I'm putting it at number two. Late. Are on. you the Are you the one that's going back and watching them again, or is that Austin? Who Who is somebody not, is. No. Ben well, and I both picks. have gone back and watched a bunch of them. So we, I, I've watched probably all but maybe like five of the seasons. Okay. And I, I'm, tr- I'm kind of go – I don't watch them as they're happening. I usually go back after you know, a year or two after they've come out and watch them again. Have you avoided spoilers for the most part? I do, yeah. I even I follow the, the uh, Survivor accounts on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and all that. And somehow, whenever it pops up, I'm like seeing it. I'm like, okay, I can't look at that. And I don't know why I follow them anymore. It's like I'm just I'm making it hard for myself to avoid spoilers, but I still do usually. That's funny. All right, survey says number two for me is Josh's number six, Family Feud. I really only watched the Steve Harvey era, but he's great. I love the way he handles yeah. the contestants. His interactions are great. The celebrity Family Feud is always good. The the normal ones are good. So many moments that'll live in internet infamy forever it's super easy to follow along with and you know, like i said it really makes you wonder where some people's minds go when they hear these questions but that's all part of the fun yeah no <laughs> doubt all right my number two austin orman come on down the price is right <laughs> that's my number two i love it all right my number contestant. one <laughs> come on down all right my number one is jeopardy greg you had it at number three and you're right that if you want to play along, you do have to be in the right mindset. You have to yeah. be locked in and ready to go. But I just watched it all the time growing up. And even if I wasn't in that mindset, I still loved watching it because you just learn so much. There's you know, so many different questions about topics that you don't necessarily know anything about, but you learn about it. You get you know, 
so many five different answers to questions and i think it's i just love consuming and soaking in knowledge so that's a good way to do it with jeopardy and alex trebek is the best so yep Question, what's the number one game show on my list? Answer, what is Jeopardy? No brainer for me. No, I you learned. two have lined up so much in this We thing. did. It kind of surprised really me, did. but for no discussion, that's pretty impressive. You, know, I've, you guys have said it. I, I love learning from it. I love seeing all these answers. I don't get the whole buzzer strategy and how Holzhauer, whatever his name is, bounces around trying to find the daily doubles. I, I like the little OCD go down the, go down the lines and get them <laughs> strategy. That makes it so much easier in my head, but... Apparently that's 100% not the winning strategy, agree. so I'll just sit back and try to guess the answer before the contestants. Yeah, the people well, that bounce around Austin are the ones that are way smarter than us, and that's the reason why they win. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, my number one is uh, is Wheel of Fortune, so I go Wheel of Fortune for my number one. So I'm different than you guys. At least we got one of us has a little different thing here. So <laughs> I guess we got to put together a poll. Jeopardy obviously is going to be on there. Wheels on there. What do you want to put? You want to put Survivor on there for a third option? No, don't don't do Survivor. Let's make it a true poll. Maybe do Family Feud or Family Feud, The Price is yeah. Right, one of those two. Do Price is Right and then put Other. Will do. Okay. All right, Austin, that's your challenge. You get us a runs of poll. There's our top ten list again brought to you by Union Bank and Trust. All-time great game shows. Oh, that's fun. Brings back a lot of memories. And like Austin and both guys have said, that it, for some of these it takes you back to sitting in your grandpa and grandma's living room watching it because that's what they used to watch and – that's kind of fun to think back and do that. We're delighted to be joined now by the Executive Director of the Nebraska Sports Council, Dave Manerick, who got some good news yesterday from the governor, I would guess. We'll get into that here in a moment. But I'm going to start with our game show topic, Dave. What's your all-time favorite game show? Though Jeopardy, Wheel of Fortune, Price is Right. Oh, you know, i got to go with Jeopardy. It was yeah. the one I watched the most. But I loved hearing about all the old-school ones you guys were talking about. I remember sitting in my grandparents' house watching to tell the truth and just feeling agonizing <laughs> pain and having to sit there because it was all talking. And then later when I kind of figured out what it was, I was like, oh, man, that's actually pretty interesting. <laughs> right? I mean, I think that's where we, everybody gets introduced to these, probably at their grandparents. It's crazy how many memories come rolling back. Uh, I, I mentioned that I think you got some good news yesterday when the governor announced starting Monday we're going into phase three, which is opening up some things. How does How will that affect the Cornhusker State? games now just a little over a month away well the main thing is that it gives us an opening for a, a couple of our biggest sports uh soccer and basketball and i'd say soccer is much more likely to be well, similar to normal than basketball uh just because basketball is indoors and i think there's still a possibility that when you know all of the protocol is kind of passed down to us it it may be limited but i think soccer now if if uh, teams can start playing games and practices on july 1st i think by the end of july when we do soccer or by the third weekend in july i think we're going to have a pretty normal soccer tournament we've already got a lot of uh especially uh, groups of soccer players that played in high school ready to come in and kind of have a, a mini high school season. So I'm excited about those two sports. Of course, getting volleyball moved to a more normal format, getting crowds increased. That all means a, a more normal Cornhusker State games, and we're happy about that. So that's kind of the big thing. Of course, the the opening ceremonies is – you know, it's our biggest gathering, and we're still planning to do that as a virtual uh, video type of event, even though, you know, the the uh, 
restrictions were lifted, allowing up to 75% capacity. Our surveys are still saying that less than a quarter of the folks out there that frequent Cornhusker State Games events are probably going to be likely to want to attend in a crowd just so they don't, you know, put themselves in a place where they might catch it or pass it on. So, so opening ceremonies, we'll, we'll do a, a cool program for folks, but most of the sports now, that really gets us up to a, a new level, and I'm excited to see what the entries are going to look like in the coming weeks. We've, we've really had a surge of phone calls uh, last night and today from people who are excited uh, that you know at least those restrictions got moved so, so we could have more sports and more people at the sports we're offering. I was going to ask you: Are we? We've got to be coming up on some deadlines. What? what give me some dates the folks need to know about if they're now thinking, "Oh, maybe, maybe I can put together a group team here to do to do one of these events in a month." Yeah, July sixth is our biggest deadline, and really, any more that's our only deadline. We kind of removed all of those price bump deadlines because it's a unique year, and so we're offering the base price all the way through because we knew that people, you know. They may be selecting or, or needing to ask for a refund, and so we just kind of let people kind of coast. And now we're going to do that, but July 6th is the is the key date for getting all entries in. CornhuskerStateGames.com has the registration system and all of the sport information. Dave, were you surprised that the governor made that announcement, or, or have you kind of been in the circle where you're hearing updates on a daily basis from the health community and, and the folks that make those decisions? I'm not really hearing anything, but I wasn't surprised. I mean, I think it's in the best interest of of all of us that we move forward and move toward opening as long as we're protecting the hospital capacity. And I think the governor's done a great job of, of kind of pushing to get more people out there. And, and it's not kind of the right way to say it, but it is correct that, you know, what we need is for this virus to move through the healthy population. Know, try to protect those at risk, and I think that's that's what the governor's done a real fine job of. And so I expected it to get open. And then the other huge factor in this state is that if you don't open football by July one, that means we're probably not going to have Husker football or in the way that we we hope to have it. And right now is the time to test it out. So I think I think it was it was about what I expected, and it's the right time and the right move. And when you get you know a, a sport like football open, you really have those other communities that you. There's no reason not to get basketball and and soccer players back out there and doing their thing. Again, visiting with Dave Manerick, the executive director of the Nebraska Sports Council. They oversee the Cornhusker State Games coming up in July. Uh, give me all right. Let, let's lay it out again for the for the folks if they want to reach out, put a, an entry together. What's the best way to do that? And you did say July 6th is your hard deadline. Anything else that the people need to know about? No, just go to CornhuskerStateGames.com. And obviously, just like in every aspect of your life these days, just be agile and keep kind of paying attention because things are changing daily. So um, that's our, our only thing is, is that folks be patient. And we're going to have a Cornhusker State Games, and it's going to be darn good. And we hope that folks will sign up. Well, Dave, we appreciate it. I thought of you as soon as I heard that announcement yesterday. I thought that had to be good news for you. That's why I reached out to you and wanted to get you on tonight to get everybody kind of caught up and updated on that. I'm sure we'll talk again before the games get underway. Be safe, and uh, let's hope for good things as we move through this uh, move through this summer and through this virus. 
Amen to that. Thanks for the time, Greg. Appreciate it. Tuesday night, Sports Honda here on the Husker Sports Network. We're getting a chuckle out of seeing some of the responses to our Twitter poll. Double Dare made it on there. The Wall. You remember The Wall? Yes, that one I do remember. Double Dare I have not heard of, but yeah, The Wall, was that was good. That's a good uh, going back to that one. Any of you seen Pressure Luck? I, I've heard people talk about no. it, but I've never sat down to watch that that show. That's all. That got made on there, too. I have not. Somebody else said Lingo. I don't. I haven't heard of that one either. So people are putting out some ones that we haven't even heard of. So I know. That's, Good. That's, I'm. I feel like a lot of these I'm going to have to go check out. I like know. obviously we we know our our top ones. We love Jeopardy and Prices Right and Wheel of Fortune. But the ones that everybody else is throwing out here, we're going to have to go check out. I read the one where the guy said definitely Prices Right. Love watching it when I was homesick from school, and somebody else said. Uh, yeah, homesick growing up watching Bob Barker was a must. So, yeah, a couple people have made that comment about that. It's a common story, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, in Ooh, college, when, college when I was, quote, sick, yeah, I sat home and watched Prices <laughs> Rider when I didn't want to go, go to Biology 101. Right. Well, that's what I said during the during the segment is that I think that that would have been a show that I would have loved to watch, but... I just didn't really – it wasn't one that I could watch consistently because I would have had to be, quote-unquote, sick a lot. And I really – I mean, I was every once in a while, but I didn't do it that much. So, I, yeah, it's just one I didn't really get into as much as some of the other ones. Maybe Austin will know this. Is Plunko one of the games they play on Price is Right? Plinko. Yeah. I mean, people can name the little games that they play on that thing. I, I haven't watched it enough lately to – to stay locked in on that. All right, tomorrow night, uh, we do think Ben will be back, so we'll play Famous Face-Offs, Family Feud, off the, based off that show tomorrow night. We took a week off when Ben was not here last week. We'll also have another edition of our Husker Huddle. This will be a good one. It's uh, Jeremiah sitting, sitting down with Blake Lawrence, and they're going to talk about the name Image Likeness, which has certainly gotten a lot of headlines in the last few months and is going to continue to get headlines as we head toward that as being a part of college sports. Uh, so that'll be one you will not want to miss tomorrow night here on the program. Uh, good to hear the Scott Frost comments from earlier in the uh, in the show, his press conference earlier today. And, boy, we had some fun with our Top 10 Tuesday Tuesday topic tonight. And uh, good news for Dave Maneric of the Nebraska Sports Council. Getting more events being added to the Cornhusker State Games with some of the restrictions being lifted around the state. So it's good to hear from him and get that update there. Again, July 6th is the deadline to get yourself registered for that. Callers and guests into our show. Dot us up on our sports nightly hotline brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Busy hour, fun hour here on Sports Honor. We're not done for the night. We have another hour coming up on the other side. Come on.